But I love how this is kind of naturally leading us into the next segment. Uh, and that's how businesses can go about gauging what their work culture may look like. So, uh, Karen, your your book is wonderful. Uh, culture, your culture, innovating experiences at work. And it really touches on how organizational culture is an untapped asset. And potentially, we mentioned a liability for businesses. Yet we're kind of talking about how a lot of folks may not know how to manage their culture with proficiency. Uh, I know your book touches really uh, well on this and knowing that, um, you know, why don't you share with our listeners what the origin may be of the design of the workplace framework and how this concept is helping businesses dig deeper, challenge boundaries, surface new ideas, and potentially support how corporate decisions or organizational cultural decisions are being implemented. Yeah, thanks. Um, This book really, and Evan's known me a long time, um, so he's kind of seen this journey. Uh, This book was born really out of a frustration with how often we raise culture as this huge factor. I mean, and we talked about the news headlines earlier, right? They always point to culture, (laughs) always. (laughs) <laughs> and then we have all these, all this stuff out there that talks about, yeah, that's a good culture or that's a bad culture. And there was nothing, and there might be archetypes, right? So there might be archetypes, there might be clues or hints, or these are things you can do, but there was nothing that actually built the capability of cultivating culture, managing it. So really this framework, which is a design of work experience, which, you know, it was really meant to provide a step-by-step how-to for intentionally creating culture on the front end, as opposed to remedially, let's just say, right? Um, so it's it's really meant to kind of fill what I saw as a gap. Not only that, I mean, this is work that I do. There's far more work to be done than what one person can do. I, I literally gave everything away in this book because I feel it's very important to empower organizations um, to be able to leverage culture as that asset that we talked about earlier. So what it does is it takes a deep understanding of an organization's unique context and allows them to intentionally co-design that aspirational future with both business and people in mind, right? And so, um, yep. and I know you have the, the image of the framework, but there's four main components Um, It's the combination of design and change processes enabled by leveraging and building capability and engagement throughout. So that's that's the four main components. Now, as we've already um, demonstrated in this conversation is that culture is complex work and it needs to be explored in digestible focused parts. And so I I really don't want to oversimplify you know, this because this framework is better lived than spoken or read about, to be honest. Um, Sounds like just like culture. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Great point. So there. So when I say it needs to be put into digestible pieces, there's five phases. There's understand, which we've been talking a lot about that first phase when we talk about ethnographies. Um, The second phase is create and learn. The third is decide. And then the fourth is plan and the fifth is implement. So you see so many organizations skip steps and they go from problem to solution and they miss a lot you know, along the way. And so all of these are organized as a series of iterative learning loops, each with its own specific set of activities. And, and therefore you're always focusing on the present. It's whatever's in front of you at the moment and what, what Dewey does, that's what I call it for short, is that it yields an in-depth understanding of the current state. 
It provides a design for the future state and a roadmap and the action plans to get there. So that's really something that I hope and I, I desire to contribute um, to, to the benefit of better workplaces and better work experiences. Because believe me, every time I hear the stories, and I do, my heart breaks for people. Like, why do we, why are we willing to accept less than ideal workplaces? And why are we willing to not live up to our own full potentials as individuals and as organizations? And we're, we're our own worst enemies. And so I, I think equipping us to be able to break some of those cultural patterns, so to speak, right, allows us to um, disrupt and hopefully create a different future. So one of my favorite quotes is that you're perfectly designed for your current results. I got that from David Cooper Ryder of Appreciative Inquiry. And so if you want different results, you have to do different things, right? Um, so that's mm-hmm. that's really what I'm hoping to do is, is to help disrupt that in the good way. Yeah. I love that. And I think even in, in the later aspects of our conversation, we were exploring elements of, of the later stage activities within uh, Dewey. And any more insight maybe you'd like to add on the thinking of this and, and how maybe does the, the change process of the design of framework experience allow maybe businesses to consider uh, certain types of insights while planning and implementing decisions? I know we kind of touched on it a little bit. but Yeah, I mean, I think the key part is that you know, you, you know, this people-centered design piece is something that, A, doesn't always happen, but then you have to pair that with the change processes. And, and, and organizations today, they're, they're often managed separately when they shouldn't be, right? So that all I'm doing, is, I didn't make this stuff up. I'm building upon <laughs> decades and decades of, of research and understanding about organization. And I'm curating and bringing the pieces together um, to make sure that, you know, we're getting different results. So, so that's, that's the important pieces. Like you can have the, like I said earlier, best design, right? If you don't implement it, it's the same thing with innovation, right? Um, it's great to have discovery, right? But innovation has to be adopted, right? To have the impact. Again, that's, I know people debate that point all the time. Um, but, but I think it's important that the people aspect is incorporated into it. So when organizations are saying, you know, hey, we have an intimidating business problem or challenge. They don't always think about, well, what do we need to make sure people can be aligned with that strategy for the results that we're hoping for, right? That's, they're just yeah. shoving it down people's throats, right? Are they not? And it doesn't work. Packing it up with a nice little bowl, putting it on a PDF and, and handing it so that you sign uh, once you read it, maybe. Oh, so. gosh, I remember those days. <laughs> Gone are the days of the printed PDFs. Now they're just downloadables on your internet. So no, just kidding. But um, I do love that aspect. And I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, even the fact that, uh, you know, organizations need to know about their workplace culture um, to the extent that, how am I, what am I trying to say here? Um, it's not a fake it till you make it because I think that's what a lot of businesses may be doing <laughs> is that again, you know, and, and I'm not using us as an example, but what if, you know, what if we were to build this wonderful hybrid environment uh, and then just 
let everyone loose, just give them the wild, wild west and not actually really uh, nurture the environment so that, you know, folks were actually utilizing it the best that uh, it could be. We're, we're, We're experiencing some nuances of that because we got a lot of new technology as well. So even though we may feel like we we did a really good job as a facility management team to uh, tackle those culture uh, nuances at Insitrix, we are still every day, um, you know, running into uh, problem based scenarios where, you know, sometimes it's the pandemic, sometimes it's our own, um, you know, internal thinking where a lot of the times we're having to kind of readdress what we're doing. Yeah, but like readdressing it almost in real time and not letting it stew. Yes. Right. Because better work perform better. Like I just don't. And so even those companies, they're like, well, what about those companies that, you know, are are really doing well and they have a crappy culture? A, they don't last forever that way. (laughs) It's not sustainable. But B, think about what they're leaving on the table. (laughs) Right. Yep. And talent management, as you said, is a big thing. And I think I can, um, even within my young career, uh, see within a lot of folks that I know within my own network during the pandemic, how that's changed, how they see uh, their own career, um, their their environment's very important to them. So, And they're willing to yeah. speak on it. Yeah. I like that I, you I, use the word yeah. career and not job. Yeah. I think that you can't, you can't fake it to your make it is really important here because you have, you, you have to, it's more like, uh, remake it until you remake it, until you remake it, until you remake it. Like it's, Ooh, I like that. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I, good. it's cause it's the, the other thing is, um, Karen, you bracketing is really not a great approach to anything. And I think when you talked about how, um, this kind of work is uh, the implementation of this kind of work is kind of like done elsewhere. Like how, how there's a siloing or like a division of labor that doesn't allow this holistic approach. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that happens, um, that happens institutionally where you have like, this is your responsibility, but it also happens temporarily where you're just like, here's an initiative and it's done. And this is an initiative that is never done. And I think the, um, the design of work experience is really in some ways what human resources should involve into. Um, and, and, and it should be, oh, yeah. I, I, and it should be thought of as a, a, a porous department or, or like where there's, where, you know, it's not this thing over there that that gets involved with with uh, legal stuff and bureaucracy. That it that it's much more about sort of development and and nurturing a culture and making sure that people stay involved in this process. Because the other thing is, which if if people take away nothing from this, what I want them to take away is like this <laughs> this is not going to be. Uh, a simple bounded solution and initiative that just gets done and then everybody runs off into the golden future where we all have wonderful workplace experiences. <laughs> this is something that companies are going to get, if not wrong, more likely half right. Um, it is going to be incremental and it, it gets back to this idea that culture is practice and culture is um Culture is behavior and culture and culture is dynamic and culture needs to be lived because if you think that you're just going to fix this once and like, this is not to say that you need outside consultants like 
like myself or Karen in there for the rest of your lives. We don't like we don't need to we don't need to put a sleeping bag under one of the desks and live there forever. That's not what we need to do. Uh, I thought that was ethnography in um, Evan. At some point, you come back from the field. At some point, you 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 roll up your sleeping bag and you come back home and you and you have to sit down and and <laughs> and, and write your your ethnography. Um, but but what it is is like it's it's creating a, a better process, which mm-hmm. is you know by its nature open to change, and by its nature inquisitive, and by its nature um, humble. That knowing everything ain't gonna happen. So. Uh, why don't you accept that and and be open to the possibility that things That's are right. going to to evolve? Um, yeah, and and I think it's yeah. I'm glad you brought in HR. I actually conducted a recent interview about my thoughts around the future of HR. So I'm happy to share the link if that's of interest. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but Evan, I mean, I think you're you you hit the nail on the head there. I love yeah. it. So I, I think we're we're wrapping up, and and those are really great um, final thoughts. I might pose one last question for you both. Um, you know, we keep talking about culture being at the heart of the way companies think about decision making, um, and the way that they should implement those decisions. Um, we keep talking about the nuances of employee research and, and how businesses can do it. But if, if where's a good place to start if, if a business is interested in maybe um, looking into their organizational culture? So I have some thoughts on that, if, if I can jump in. Yeah, go first. <laughs> um, and I write about this in the book about on-ramps and off-ramps. Um, I get a lot of when's the right time to start. This never, there's never, there's never it. a bad time. Okay, yeah. let me just start by saying that, right? Um, I, I early on in the pandemic, same thing. It's kind of like, oh, we're going to yeah. wait till we're yeah. back in the office and do our culture work. Again, it's still happening, right? So, um, some starting points if if it helps people out there. You know, you can start with an intimidating business problem or challenge um, where you need people to succeed. Um, you can go into specific needs within a function or an organization. Any aspect of the employee life cycle can be designed as an experience with culture in mind. Any sort of people interactions we've touched upon so many in this conversation. Um, even building organizational capability. How do we example? How do we become more innovative? <laughs> Guess what? It's yeah. There's some skill in that, but it's also the culture, people, right? Um, or any identified priorities. Every organization should have a set of priorities. And that's a wonderful starting point for your culture. So it's all about, you know, what kind of culture is needed in order for us to do this, right? Or how how do we make sure people are um, excited, engaged, inspired, um, and how do we do amazing things together, right? So those are some starting points. But um, I, I'll give you another David Cooper writer uh, quote, which is, our worlds are formed by the questions we ask. And so the moment you begin questioning the current state, that's when change starts to happen, right? So I encourage all of you to take a step back and start um, putting on those traveler's eyes, as they say in design thinking, and start asking some questions because you never know what you're going to discover. Mm-hmm. As they say, or well, as I say, the world changes and research yeah. listens. Oh, so, I like that. Yep. I'm going to write that down. 
Yeah. So, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make that quote my own because I I think um, I think our worlds are often comprised of the meaning we share, and I think one of the ways to like as you start to think about like what in what in my culture do I want to change? Often the question should really be what in what what in my culture works. And I'll give you a very yes like seemingly like small insignificant example from Conifer. So Conifer, like like every other company, got hit really hard um, in in March of 2020. Um, we we wrapped up the projects we were able to wrap up. There were a few winding down and then everything else ground to a halt. Uh, yes. And, you know, it's hard to remember back that far because it feels like the world has changed 15 times in the last, you know, uh, now coming on 23, 24 months. Um, but we were, we, we were very concerned about our, like, our culture and what it felt like to work at Conifer. We were highly collaborative. We're a small office. Um, you know, everybody I think is, if not friends, friendly with everybody else. We work together really closely. We're a very flat hierarchy. Um, we also kind of geek out about, because a lot of us are anthropologists, we geek out about sort of the things that make Conifer Conifer. The, and one of the things that makes Conifer Conifer is, we we have a very uh, we have a ritual which every Thursday at three o'clock the office manager comes around with chocolate. It's Chocolate Thursday, and this and, and it's and it's not it's not one of these traditions where the like the company buying the foosball table for everybody to play at. It was actually a very organic tradition. And it started when one of my former colleagues ran afoul of our former director of design. And he just, he really just pissed her off. And he showed up with a bunch of like chocolate, chocolate muffins one Thursday, um, which are effectively frosting with cupcakes. And we were all in early and she was like, what'd you do? And he's like, what are you talking about? She's like, what, what's with these? What did you do? And all his re reaction was, what are you talking about? It's Chocolate Thursday. And that was his way of, even though everybody knew that he got in trouble. And, and after that, a few of us would go out and get some chocolate. And eventually, the company adopted it. And so what we decided, because we, we understand that rights and rituals are really important, as leadership, we're like, look, we're not going to go under based on whether we send chocolate to everybody at their houses. Like that's not gonna be what makes or breaks us, but it may be the thing that kind of holds us together, feels like we're still working together in a certain way, even though we are manifestly not working together in a certain way. And we still periodically send, you know, we'll send, you know, every couple of months, two months worth of Chocolate Thursday chocolate to every employee um, and also it's become really important as people have been onboarded during the pandemic. Like here it is, here's a, here's a, here's a ritual that is, that is, you know, cause culture is also about continuity. It's about tradition. Um, and it's about, you know, feeling like you have ownership of what's going on by being part of those traditions. And so mm -hmm. I'm not saying that every company should like have something equivalent to that, but look at it, look at what the shared meaning is that helps build people's worlds yes. and yeah. use those mm -hmm. as anchors 
to push the kind of culture you want to have forward. Now you just, someone took my fish feeding. Oh, sorry. I was going to say someone took my fish feeding duties at Incitrix <laughs> here when we moved office locations. And let me tell you, that was a hard moment. Right. But, so. but, but you have to, you, you have to, uh, uh, instill someone else with that so with that with that responsibility. That's a that's a passing of a torch, and that's the movement to a new yeah. a new status, a new social role. Those are important too. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And I and I don't think they got it, but at the same time, I really let them know that I really enjoyed it. And, yeah. So I think what yeah. both of you have expressed uh, just now and and through this conversation. Um, is something that I saw, Evan, you took me back to March of 2020. <laughs> um, is, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I observed from a cultural standpoint is what, what this shift that happened in March of 2020, what it did was exposed the cultures that were already there. So the companies mm -hmm. that had great cultures, this pandemic gave them an opportunity to demonstrate why they're great. That's what you're just saying, Evan. You talked about the ritual, right? And um, conversely, those that were troubled to begin with really struggled, right? And and I think that part of it is contributing to this great resignation for that reason. And so I really think that I hope through this conversation we've convinced some people about the importance of culture and how important it is to not only people but the business as well. So, but I, I just love hearing about your experience. I mean, would you, I push back on me if you don't agree with this? But I'm curious. Like, I, was that yeah, your I think. Experience? Yeah, I. Um, we also one of the other kinds of methods we use is deprivation research, uh, which is you have things that are part of people's routines. You take out a key part of those routines. Like Saturday, what, the fish. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a good example. And then you see how people respond to this thing that was always there to the point where people didn't really think about it. Um, how do people respond to that? How do, what do you do to fill that hole? And what deprivation research does is it moves a part of the background into the foreground so that you, um, you have to address it, but you can do it in creative ways and you can change positively. And the pandemic has been a giant global deprivation research experiment. And, totally. and, and I think, and, and I think, as you were saying, it has foregrounded some of the best parts of our of our like individual um, organizational, but just sort of general cultures, and and also foregrounded some of the not so good ones. And I, I think that's given us an opportunity to sort of reflect and engage and act um, in a really hopefully positive way, uh, as as long as we do it sort of openly and, and, and with that kind of like curiosity and humility and engagement. That change transformation, right? I think we're really starting to experience mm -hmm. what that may look like specifically from an organizational culture perspective. So it's a great point. So, I mean, I think we, we landed where we needed to go. So I want to thank obviously both our guests today, uh, both Karen and Evan for joining us on such a thought provoking topic. I think this is something we could probably sit here and talk about all evening. Uh, but I know for more information, we got a lot of it here because there's lots of stuff that we actually unpacked today. Uh, but for any information on the framework, the method, 
methodologies that we discuss in today's episode, uh, please visit, visit the podcast player uh, on the website podcast.insidetricks.com. We'll have all the links within the description and everything that you learned today. Uh, to learn more about Karen and the Dewey framework, visit the website or pick up Culture Your Culture Innovating Experiences at Work on Amazon. And again, a link will be provided in the description. To learn more about Evan, ethnography, and he touched on it very little, the deprivation research done at Conifer, uh, visit their website, which I will also link below. And again, if you enjoyed today's topic, topic it's been a day, uh, give us a like, share, or subscribe on any favorite podcast player. And don't forget to leave us a review if you learned anything new. So until next time. Thanks for having us. Fun. Yes. Take care. Awesome. Right. Bye.